Well, getting back from Washington, D.C., I got to tell you, I was stuck in congressional meeting rooms so much on the backside of about two layers of heavy security that I feel like I missed a lot this week, but that's okay. Coley and Kavanaugh are here to fill in the blanks for me. Coley and Kavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. You know, you get a ton of bonus benefits when you become a member. You get that card, right? And uh, that'll give you a discount on a hotel, a discount on a computer, cars and truck rentals. But most of all, the Farm Bureau as I always say, is fighting to make sure farm families can keep farming. Support your local Farm Bureau with a membership. Simply go online to itpaystobeamember.org. And I got a chance to talk to a lot of the staff from the Farm Bureau this week. And we've got some of those comments here on the program this morning we're going to be sharing with you. So stick around for more of that to come. In the meantime, we got the boys on the blower. So we're going to talk about what was going on in the market this week. First of all, note this. Next Thursday, the USDA will release its May WASDE report, and the market is actually looking for lower South American production and higher U.S. 21-22 demand. Some are looking for the USDA to lower the 22-23 U.S. carryout. That's just the kind of stuff I'm hearing when I'm in D.C. So, you know, how it's really happening on the ground, I don't know. We're going to have to wait until next Thursday when the WASDE report comes out. In the meantime, guys, one of the things that we talked about this past week, a lot of us, uh, you know, we're all comparing notes, you know, what's the weather like? in your area. And I'm telling everybody about our 30% soil moisture that is in abundance. That is above and beyond what is normal. So I don't know that anybody I talked to has had that much of a problem. They're saying, yeah, well, we got cold soil. That was the bigger problem for them. I'm kind of curious, David, if you can maybe kick things off here about how this might change the acreage that actually gets planted. The later we get, is is that going to make a difference in terms of how many acres actually get planted? You know, we're going to be looking here to get something planted the month of May, I hope. If not, once you get into June, I think that's going to be seeing lesser acres. you probably go to beans. And the real issue here, as I see it, is that if we keep delaying this and we try and plant something, but then, of course, you don't have to go back and replant it. Nobody wants to do that because of the fertilizer and input costs there. Everybody's excited about next week because, you know, we're going to be into 80, 89 degree temperatures here with no rain in the forecast. Now I'm seeing till next Saturday or Sunday, but this is going to be a chance for us to plant next week. It'll just be interesting how far we can go on soybeans and on corn both because south of us, the southern part of the state, the toe of Indiana has been planting. North of us, there's some sandy soil there and around Leesburg, Warsaw area, there's sandy soil. So they've been planting corn there also. But again, we got to get these soil temperatures up because you get a really good germ. It has to be over 55 degrees for soil temperatures. And that's what they're hoping for with that heat next week. It'll really make the corn seed germinate. John, you were saying that uh, down south, they've pretty much got the entire corn crop planted. In addition to the fact that some of the states to the west of us, I'm talking about Iowa particularly, they got some rain, but they didn't have the surplus like we did. No, that's correct. What were we talking about all winter? How dry it was in the western U.S. and it stayed dry and the concern over droughty conditions there. They had drought conditions. Therefore, they made more progress than we did here. You know, northern Indiana, northern Illinois was the wettest part of the whole belt. Uh, even if you go into uh, southern Indiana, central and southern Indiana, they had some wet weather too, but not as bad as we had here. And then, of course, as you mentioned, if you get into the south, down into the Carolinas, Georgia, and through there, and into Texas, et cetera, that area at this point is pretty close to 90% plus planted. Now, that's overall, it's not a tremendous producing area, especially for corn, but still it all counts. So the market now is going to be very anxious about next week. This dry weather yeah, better yeah. materialize because we're getting into the middle of May. The market is focusing now on what percent is going to be planted as of May the 16th. 
And David, we can take some bets on this one, but I think that if we get there, when we get there, I bet it's going to be in the vicinity of corn close to 40% nationwide. Wow, that's Ooh. a huge number. I want to take you this task on another subject. Why did we sell off so much last week when every bit of news I saw was bullish about Ukraine, about India's bleak crop is less than expected, all these dry conditions, Brazil, uh, Argentina, their corn crops. Why did we go down so much with all this bullish news? <laughs> I, I can't believe you're even asking that question. Where do we go down from? We were talking about $8 corn and how high did the soybeans get? $16, $17. What do you expect to happen when we're finally going to get some planting weather? And we've seen in the past that when you get corn over $8, uh-oh, it doesn't like it up at $8. That's where price rationing has occurred. And we're starting to see that. And daily, if we're ever going to see corn go much higher, we're going to have to have a sharp correction first. And we're finally getting it. Now, what can we sustain it? I don't know. And then, of course, there's a lot of concerns about the U.S. going into a, re- a recession. We've seen what the stock market has done. It's been crashing and burning this past week. Problems in China because of COVID and all the lockdowns there has hurt the Chinese economy. So all that came together to cause this thing to uh, have a good pullback. I'm glad you mentioned lockdowns in China. The COVID-led lockdowns there uh, really slowed down China's veg oil demand and soybean imports, dalium palm oil, soy oil futures, both lower U.S. inflation, as you indicated, and all of that really made the cooking oil demand drop off the face of the earth. But those things didn't just impact the veg oil market. It pretty much impacted everything else. You know, with all of these things going on, how do you see this, John, impacting maybe what we see in next week's WASD report, or maybe just a more general question, what do you expect in the WASD report next week? Uh, well, I hate to say this, because it seems like you say it every time, but I've seen the, uh, the average guesses from the May supply demand estimate. And by the way, also in May, we get the first new crop supply demand estimate. So we're going to get current numbers and we're going to get next year's numbers. But frankly, as is as so often the case, the market doesn't expect USDA to come out with any major surprises. We're looking for a small pullback in the in the estimated corn carryover for next year. They're looking for that to be uh, a little bit lower than this this year, but not a lot lower. I don't agree with either of those numbers, by the way. I think they're both too high. But soybeans, same thing. You know, the soybean numbers are going to be maybe a little bit of a pullback from this last month, but it's going to increase uh, up close to 300 that's expected for 22-23. Nothing there that's exciting of the market. So the anticipation is for it to be fairly uneventful. But guess what? That's when you get your most surprising reports. Yeah, right. And David, the uh, thing is, is that to, to John's point, how can you say nothing's going to change when it's changing a lot with regard to the weather in Brazil? I mean, the, the crop going on at Mato Grosso, drought worsening there. Argentina's corn good to excellent ratings dropped only 16% good to excellent on Argentina's corn crop. David, that's got to change something in the WASD report. Yeah, and those two states down there, Goyas and Mato Grosso, they produce 75% of the safrina corn, and these are the areas that continually get mixed with rain. I mean, it's funny, when you keep looking at the moisture maps for Brazil, there's that hole right there in the middle, and when you look where it is, oh no, that's the safrina corn area, so we know they're definitely suffering. Now, the later corn in Argentina got hit hard when they were extremely hot and dry, and it was right when they were pollinated. You can see the ears look good, and some of the ears I've seen on Twitter, about halfway up, and all 
all of a sudden it's just nothing that's spilled on the end of it. So yeah, they're going to lose quite a bit of their crop of corn. Well, yeah. David, didn't Dr. Cordonier, mm-hmm. who is pretty much the uh, considered to be the expert on South American production in total, he lowered the zillion corn production because of the dry weather affecting the safrina crop. I believe it was by 5 million tons this week. Yeah, it was down to 105. The other estimate was 111. And people were talking a few weeks ago, 116, 117. So look at this. It's over 10 million metric tons less from the best guesses a few weeks ago. So yeah. yeah. So that's a pretty bullish situation. Yeah. The market didn't react to it, no. but it will eventually. And also, let's take a look at the Canadian report that came out. <laughs> Stats Canada? Yes, the canola is half of what they were looking for. I mean, a tremendously weak canola crop and then barley and all the other crops down there. Except, John, there was a, quite a surprise, wasn't there, on one of the crops they had in Canada. <laughs> the corn crop was 13% bigger than last year. How in the world can they get a bigger corn crop in Canada? Because it's from Ontario. And what kind of weather did we have? Ontario had it too. And so that's why the corn crop's bigger because they don't grow hardly any corn out there on the prairies. It's all your you know, small yeah. grain type of stuff. But that corn crop in Ontario had to be a whopper. Yeah, that's, that's very true. That's where the corn has grown mostly in Canada. And their weather was very similar to what we had. And we know we had super crops last year. Very good, David. You came up with something worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's one. Here's one that I did get this week because it was pretty hard to miss this one. And that was about the heat wave that's been affecting India, also affecting Pakistan and Bangladesh and their concerns with their wheat crop. Now, India initially was looking at doing some exporting of their wheat, John. India now considering maybe wheat exports are going to be curtailed just a bit. You just made that point. You know, as soon as something happens with it, regardless of where it is, whether it's the corn in Canada or the wheat in India, when that happens, it has a ripple effect around the world. So with this deal with uh, India, isn't that going to maybe have some kind of effect there on global numbers for the WASDI report? No. Absolutely, because uh, India was bragging just recently about what a big crop they had. They were going to export a lot of wheat. Well, guess what? Dry, hot weather affected the wheat crop and pulled production back. And now they're sharply reducing their export projections. It also affected Pakistan. You know, wheat's been in trouble everywhere. Problems in the U.S. It's had problems in Canada, which, by the way, versus a year ago, Canadian wheat's down almost 40% from a year ago. Wow. We've had problems with, uh, of course, in Ukraine, Russia. We've had problems in the EU with wheat. It's everywhere. The only place that's having a good year for wheat is Australia. Every other major producing country has had some kind of a problem. Go back to India real quick. You know, I had a really telling comment that I heard, and nobody else is saying anything about it, but they were saying in India, they are now going to be trying to source rice to feed the people in India. Uh-oh, their wheat crop has to be a lot worse than that if they're trying to buy rice to feed the public. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, exactly right. And they will protect their, their uh, domestic supplies, of course, as opposed to export. And we said this before, but virtually every crop out there is in tight supply and prices are setting records. One of the things in terms of exports, David, that we've been watching that's been so volatile has been the livestock sector. Beef sales and pork sales this past week sort of, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, Japan and South Korea definitely in there. China bought a little tiny bit. But, you know, when when China is shut down because of COVID and they've locked down their ports, uh, I mean, we can pretty much expect them to be non-existent when it comes to beef and pork sales, right? Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, they've been the one that's really been bellwether buying our beef every week, and they're cut it way, way back this week. And, of course, the totals are down, too, because of that. 
Mexico was the big buyer of pork. Typically, they are. That's no surprise. But Japan was the big buyer of beef, and they've been a pretty stalwart customer, so it's been good to see that. But everybody wants to talk about beef supply. They want to talk about production of beef, but they forget the housewife. And if she's looking at $30 for a pound of filet, she's looking for 8 to $9 for ground beef. They're saying now that they're not seeing the barbecue demand they expected. They're not seeing the housewife buying a lot of this high-priced meats. Retail companies are not getting as much demand from the consumers here going to the end of May like they normally do. Well, we all know that Mama runs the show, right? And the guy who cannot let us get out of here without getting the last word is Mr. John Cavanaugh. He's always comes up with something that we either forgot or, uh, I don't know, do you just pocket these things during the week so that you can embarrass us? Is that how this works? Coley in particular. By the way, at the beginning of the show, I heard you use the word kick off and then Coley. Were you implying maybe we're going to kick him off the show? Possibly, you think? Well, anyhow, David's going to appreciate this one. I saw something this week. It was quite interesting. Climate weather forecasters have actively predicted nine of the last four droughts. Oh, my goodness, John. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that doesn't look very good for me. (laughs) Wow, I I guess I am a kickoff. Coley and Kavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. How many trust that politicians in D.C. understand the issues of farm families here in the heartland? And as they get into negotiating a new farm bill, you got to know that it's important that they understand how their changes affect family farms at the grassroots level. Now, regardless of what the issue is, whether it's broadband taxes or the carbon credit conversation, we can be assured that the voice of the Farm Bureau is there to pitch the case for family farms. And supporting that effort starts with a membership to your local county Farm Bureau. Consider a membership. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.